Well, I'm not just making this up. Uh, you got a Bible. You know it's in your Bible, too. So uh, you, it's the, it's the, uh, when, you, when you're teaching the Bible verse by verse, expository teaching, and you heard me say many times before over the years that you just can't pick and choose uh, the popular topics that you want to teach on. You got to address the issue when it comes up. And whatever comes up in the text, you have to, uh, you have to address it. So uh, I want to say what Paul said. You know, I'm innocent of all men's blood. I have not, uh, I have not, de I declare not to show you all the things of Christ uh, and to preach the whole counsel of God. Uh, I want to preach the whole counsel. You know, I can talk on grace all day long. I can talk on mercy all day long. I can talk on forgiveness, God's, God's love, and God's compassion. But on the other side of the coin, there's God's wrath. So you got to preach it all. Not a popular thing. I know some pastors say it's too negative, but uh, I don't agree with that. I think you got to preach the whole counsel. I think I'm responsible for what I say, and I'm responsible for what I don't say. Uh, I, I'm not here to tickle people's ears, and I'm not here to entertain I don't even want to be popular. I just want to just stay over here in this little old church, you know. I don't want nobody to even know who I am. Just, I'm just a quiet guy, you know. Anyway, Luke 16, the rich man in Lazarus. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. The rich man, is, he's nameless, clothed in purple and fine linen, was uh, very expensive and very costly uh, you know, it was worn by princes. It was worn by nobles. Fair sumptuously means he, would, he enjoyed the best of the feast. He, en he enjoyed the best costly dinners. So this man, he was, he was rich and he was clothed. And you can tell by the way he was dressed that he had a lot of money. But verse 1, it said, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. The Greek word that he was thrown down at the gate. He was thrown down the gate every day by his friends where there was a lot of people coming through at the gate and it was a very public place to be where you could be seen every day, every morning. His friends would just throw him down there and just dump him at the gate and just go their way. But Lazarus was sick and probably he was crippled because he had to be laid at the rich man's table and he had to be carried. This man was begging and starving, but this man was ignored by the rich man. This Lazarus is not to be confused in John 11. This is a different Lazarus. But anyway, he would desire to be fed from the crumb which fell, fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his source. Food was, food was eaten back in those days. They say it was with the hands. They didn't have utensils like we did today. People ate with their hands and they are they would take a chunk of bread and they would clean their hands off with with a chunk of bread and they would toss the bread to the poor people and the poor people would eat the bread that was tossed to them from the rich man's table and here Lazarus sitting there just waiting for a piece of bread to be tossed from this rich man's table. The dogs came and licked his sores. Showed, it showed more pity. These dogs showed more pity toward Lazarus than the rich man did. The dogs were, uh, they were concerned. They had pity. The dogs came and showed pity on him. The dogs were more 
kind and compassionate, but the rich man we see wasn't. Some say this is a parable, but this is not a parable. For all the parables, never was a name mentioned, but this particular passage, the name is mentioned. He mentions the name Lazarus. He calls him by name. So this is not a parable. This actually happened. The only attention he got from was from the dogs. The rich man could have easily assisted Lazarus. The rich man had the funds. He had the means. He saw the need, but he ignored him, and he went on and on enjoying his riches. Life was comfortable for the rich man, and he felt very secure. And it seemed like for the rich man, death seemed so far away. So it was, verse 22. The beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. The beggar died. It didn't say he received a good burial. He was too poor for that. In those days, when a, when a poor crippled person died, they just threw him in the valley of Gehenna. They're not going to spend any money on him. He's too poor. Into the valley outside of Jerusalem, the valley of Gehenna, the valley of Hinnon, where they burned refuge for the city. There was, there was a constant fire burning there in this valley where they were just, people were just cremated, especially the poor people. They were just thrown and cremated. But the rich man had a very expensive burial. But there was no care for the poor at all. But it said the beggar died and was carried by, by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom, a paradise where all, where all believers went before, the, before Jesus died on the cross. It is believed that by most scholars that Hades had two sections, two compartments. The paradise section called Abraham's bosom, which was a place of comfort and a place of torment. It is believed that by many theologians that our Lord emptied paradise when he went to the cross and he rose from the dead. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, it says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, he, which does it mean, but that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He also descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. Jesus descended Old Testament saints, Abraham bosom, set the captives free. Peter says, 1 Peter 3, 19 says, by whom he also went and preached to the, pris to the spirits in prison. Acts 2, 27, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. So the narratives, this narrative, it refutes soul sleep. A lot of people teach soul sleep, but it's not scriptural. They can teach, but it's not scriptural. When you die, there is life after death. Uh, Lazarus here, you'll find, and we'll say again, that Lazarus here is, uh, the rich man here is very conscious of everything that is going on around him. One is enjoying comfort in Abraham's bosom. Another one is suffering torment. It says there in verse 23, and being in torment, uh, Hades, 
the unseen world, the abode of the dead. He lifted up his eyes and he saw this man can see. It says he saw Abraham afar off and this guy is in hell and Lazarus in his bosom. He could see it. Hades, the rich man again, he's, he's full of conscience and he can see. Then he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. It is interesting that in Hades, the rich man now is beginning to pray. First, he prayed for himself that Abraham would have mercy on him and Lazarus to bring some comfort. He didn't show comfort to Lazarus when he had the opportunity. He didn't show mercy to Lazarus when he could have. But now the rich man, the Bible says he's in torment. And for the first time in his life, he prays. And he said, bring some comfort. He said, could he just dip his finger in? He, now he's thirsty. He could taste, but there's no water there. This, what a change. People ask the question, how can a loving God send somebody to hell? Does God send people to hell or does people send themselves? Jesus said, I said before you life and death. He gave you free will to choose heaven or hell. If Jesus had done everything he could possibly do to keep people out of hell. To go to hell, you got to jump over the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's not easy to go to hell. He want to keep you out of there. And I think that's why Jesus is delaying his coming even right now. Amen. He doesn't want people to go there. God does not send people to hell. They send themselves by refusing to heed the call and to believe on the Savior. They send themselves. God has done everything he could. So if people go to hell... It is, not fault. it is not God's fault. People chose to do that. The rich man had lived for the good things on the earth, the temporal things. But his riches could not buy him another day on this earth. Your riches in the day of judgment means nothing. So many people are going to find that out. That because the money is a God. Anyway, the rich man lived for the good things on the earth and had expensive and abundant temporal things. Temporary things. He had determined, he had determined his own destiny by leaving God out of his life. He had determined his own destiny by leaving God out of his life. And now his destiny cannot be reversed. He's stuck there. It cannot be changed. He said he was in torment in these flames. So it's very hot there. And there's no water there. And he said he was thirsty. We must never think that Lazarus was saved. We, we can't think for a moment that Lazarus was saved by, because he was poor. Any more than we think that the rich man was damned because he was rich. Lazarus had a true relationship with God and the rich man didn't. Lazarus was a believer. The rich man was not. That what sent the rich man to hell, not because he was rich, 
There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Paul said, which some have strayed away and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Anyway, Lazarus had a relationship with God. So the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he didn't have Christ. That's why people go to hell. It was faith that made the difference. One was a believer, the other was an unbeliever. The rich man trusted in his riches, and the poor man trusted in Christ. Then he cried and said, now he said, Father Abraham, he's conscious, and the guy's talking and having a conversation. He's fully aware of everything that is happening, although he's in hell. No second chance now, no exits. He will be separated from God forever. Send Lazarus, please. He remembered Lazarus' name. The guy's in hell, but he still can remember Lazarus back in this life. He says, hey, I'm in hell, I'm in torment, but go get Lazarus and bring him here to help me. He could remember that. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime? Uh-oh. He said, remember Son, remember, you mean to tell me he can remember back in this lifetime? This man could. He remembers Lazarus. He said, remember back in your lifetime, you received good things and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is confident and you are tormented. The rich man had many opportunities in his lifetime to receive Christ. That's why when you hear the gospel, you don't know if you're going to get a second chance. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You, you don't know if you're going to hear the gospel again. That's why the Bible says if you hear his words, hard not your heart because today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Amen. The rich man thought his life would not end. It would last forever because he was rich. But no. He said, you received the good things in your life. Remember back in your life? He, has, he is saying you had so many opportunities to receive Christ. And God's going to give everybody an opportunity. He said, I have set before you life or death. Choose life. Choose. You got to choose. He gave you free will, so you got to choose. No one can choose for you. You can't get to heaven on your grandfather's coat, coattail. You can't get to heaven on your mother's coattail. You got to receive Christ for your own self. I hear people say it all the time. Well, my grandmother was a Christian. Well, that's good for her. But what about you? Have you? You got to bring it home. What about you? You can't get to heaven anyway on somebody else's faith. He said, now, remember in your lifetime, you received good things and Lazarus, evil things. But now he's confident in you being torment. The memories, oh, the memories of this damn soul in hell will be his tormentors, because he could remember. Now the table is turned. The poor man is happy, and the rich man is miserable. Although people mistakenly believe that at best when they die, they cease to, ex they cease to exist. Not true. A lot of cults teach that. When you die, man, you just go to the grave, and you just sleep, man. And just sleep. And just keep sleeping. No. 
everyone, everyone has eternal life, either in heaven or either in hell, but you're going to live somewhere forever. Now, you can choose why you were alive, but the Bible says, you know, that hell was not even made for man. It was made for Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. God didn't even make, God didn't even make hell for people to go. It was made for Satan and his angels. No wonder there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents. No wonder when a sinner repents, the angels go, yay, that's one more out of hell. And we ought to snatch as many out the fire as we can. That's our job. We know it's a hell. You know it's true. And to be silent and not warn people, that's, that's not right. That is not right. That is the job of the church. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. Hey, man, the wrath is coming. Judgment has already started. We don't know how much time we got on this earth. But it's getting dark. It's getting rough. And we had to warn the unbeliever. Hell was not made for man. It was made for Satan and his angels. Abraham, remember, help me. Hmm. Abraham says, remember your lifetime. You received good things and later received evil things. But now he is confident in you being tormented. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Verse 26, and besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. A great gulf is a great separation. It was isolation. It was a great chasm separating them. Although he could see it, he couldn't get there. That's torment right there. You're seeing Lazarus over there being confident, and you being torment. You can't get there because it's a great separation, a great gulf. I think when everybody, a lot of people don't believe in hell, but it's when you take your last breath and you don't have Christ, you'll know. You'll know. A great separation is to be a separation from the righteous and the wicked. Abraham's bosom, this guy's being tormented. They couldn't cross over. He couldn't cross over, but he could see over. All opportunities for salvation are on this side of the grave. All opportunities for salvation is on this side of the grave. Once a person dies, that's it. I've had people over the years have me to go pray for the dead. I said, I can't pray for them. It won't do, me, it won't do any good. All opportunities for salvation is on this side of the grave. When you die, you are going to a place of comfort or torment. That is your choice. Not purgatory. Nope. No such thing. No such thing as that. No soul sleep. No such thing as that. No praying for the dead. No such thing as that. If anyone goes to hell, it's too late. For them, it's too late for them to pray. If they end up in hell, they can pray all they want. They can't pray themselves out of there. If anyone goes to hell, it's too late for them, no matter how much they pray. No one can pray themselves out of hell. It's, it's too late to pray now. 
The rich, the rich man lived without God and the rich man died without God, as so many people do today. I've done Christian funerals. I've done non-Christian funerals. And I tell you, it's a big difference. The Christian might shed a tear, but it's, you can see also the peace of Christ on their faces. A non-believer, when you go to do a non-believer's funeral, it's just like fear and wailing and yelling and screaming. The rich man lived without God and he died without God. As so many people today. That's why when people call my house as so-and-so's in the hospital, man, could you go visit them? I said, I sure will. I'll stop my study. If I'm studying, I will stop. I will put it on hold and get dressed as fast as I can and get to that hospital. I had a chance in California. I never will forget this as long as I live. I had a chance to go to the hospital and pray for someone. And I was busy. Didn't do it. The person died. I, I, I felt so guilty for years. I said, over my dead body, that will never happen again. I don't care if it's 12 o'clock at night. I will get out to bed to go to that hospital because I, I know that person is going to go out into eternity without Christ and go to hell. And if I don't go say something, I would feel very guilty, which I did. The rich man lived without God. He died without God, but now it's too late to change his condition. It is fixed and it's irreversible. Without hope, no hope now, eternal separation from, from God. Now, when he was on earth, he might have prayed, and his prayers probably would have been answered, but now he's praying in vain. It's too late to pray now. Then he said, I beg you, beg you. Now the rich man is begging. Before it was Lazarus begging. Now the rich man is begging. The table's been turned. He said in verse 27, then I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Everything is reversed. The table is turned. And now the rich man is the beggar, not Lazarus. The rich man is conscious and having a conversation with Abraham. He said, I have five brothers. How did he know he had five brothers? This man's in hell is talking. And he remembered back in his life that he had five births. He can remember back. That would be torment right there. I have five brothers that he, Lazarus, may testify to them, lest they also come to this place. He says, a place of torment. He didn't say it no purgatory. He says, a place of torment. I got to tell you, man, if, if I don't have compassion for the laws known as a hell, something wrong with me. Something wrong with me. Top priority right now in my life. I don't spend a lot of time doing this and this and this. My time is very valuable because I'm watching that sinner and I know there's a hell and I know he's headed to hell unless somebody stop him, unless somebody tell him. So I pray every day, Lord, put somebody in my way that I can share the gospel with because people are dying without Christ. And for the church to say nothing, ooh, it haunts me. It haunts me to know the gospel and not share it. I don't care what's on TV. I don't care what's on the computer. I don't care about that. I don't care. I ain't got a whole bunch of time. I got to get out there with them sinners and them people are crazy. I know that. They crazy. I know that. Some of them are so drunk, they don't even know who they are or what day it is. 
Hey, brother, come here. I got something to tell you. Hey, brother, you got a cigarette? I said, man, I got more than that. <laughs> I got something to say, don't you? You mean to tell me Christ has saved me from going to hell and I'm not going to tell anybody else? I can't read all these books and all this stuff on the Internet. I ain't got time for it. I got folks out there that's going to hell. And the rapture could happen any moment. I'm going to try to take as many with me as I can. Yeah, it's kind of crazy out there and kind of dangerous. I went and got me some pepper spray. Uh Uh-oh. Crazy folks downtown Tacoma. Crazy. I got five brothers, the the guy said. He remembered he had five brothers. What he is saying is too late now for me. It's too late for me, but go and warn my five brothers not to come to this place of torment. I can't get out. It's too late for me, but go warn them. Don't come here. The rich man prayed for his brothers. He did not say, oh, I'm, I'm glad my brothers will come here also. He didn't say that. I'm glad my brothers will come. No, he said, go warn them not to come here. He didn't say, go have my brothers come here. We'll have a wonderful time together. Occasionally, we will hear, I will hear a lost person to say, uh, I've heard people say over the years, I don't mind going to hell because I'm going to have a lot of company. But there is no relationship in hell. There's no friendship in hell. There's no company in hell. It's a place of torment and loneliness. They said, boy, I get to hell. I'm going to have a big party, me and my friends. Like New Year's Eve, they told me. I said, no, you won't. Abraham said to him, send Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him. Let them hear them. The greatest miracle we have, the greatest miracle will have no effect on those who are determined not to believe. I got five brothers. He said, listen, verse 29, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Go let them, listen, the greatest miracle doesn't really mean that people are going to believe. Abraham pointed out that the rich man's brothers had all the necessary information to escape the torment of hell. Moses and the prophet preached Christ as a Messiah, and a lot of people didn't believe it. Many people did not believe Moses and the prophet. They both preached Christ as a Messiah. Abraham explained that the only one thing could prevent the five brothers from eventually joining their brother if they needed to hear the word of God and they needed to repent and they needed to respond by faith and they won't go where he is. The only thing that can help the five brothers is they had to turn to Christ. They had to respond in faith. And they had to believe what Moses and the prophets preached. Moses and the prophets told sinners how to repent, how to be saved. The Jews heard them read every Sabbath in the synagogues, but they ignored it. He said, man, they got Moses and the prophet. They don't hear him. They told you. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. 
But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rises from the dead. We know one rose from the dead. John 12, 12, 9 and 10. John 12, 9 and 10. You remember that story about Lazarus, the plot to kill him? It said, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, talking about Lazarus, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also seize Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to kill Lazarus also. They said, well, if we, see one, if we saw one raised from the dead, we would believe. Jesus was raised from the dead. They didn't believe. Lazarus was raised from the dead. They didn't believe it. So that's because a person see a miracle. If their heart is hardened and they choose not to believe, you can show them miracles all day and they still won't believe it. People ask me if I believe in miracles. I sure do because I are one. Aren't you? Look at your life now. Look at the way it used to be. Look at it. Just look. I don't have a big church, but I, got, I seek fruit. I check people out. I listen to people's conversations, and I know they're reading the word. And once in a while, I even get an amen. Because they know it's in there because they've read it. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to read that word. I want you to have that quiet place. Because this is a personal relationship. You've got to have that quiet place with Christ so you can pray and listen. There's a lot of voices out there. But it's only one voice you want to hear. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got one. Some people got ten. There's only one voice that you want to hear, and that's Christ. I pray this will renew our passion for the loss and win the loss. I do not have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die. Ezekiel 18 talks about, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live. He said, I don't have no pleasure in the wicked that they should die. Ezekiel 3.19, yes, if you want the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. You have, if you want the wicked and he don't listen to you, that's not your call. You can't make anybody be saved if they don't want to. So many people are depending upon their denominations to be saved. It's only one Savior. It's only one way. I talk to people all the time in my neighborhood. They, they go to church every Sunday. I say, well, are you saved? They said, I don't know. I said, what? You don't know? This is not a hope so. This is a no so. You got to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And don't, let, don't question your salvation. Don't question it. Jesus paid it all. He did everything for us. We, we can't do anything. We cannot save ourselves. Say to them as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they will turn from the way and live. Turn, turn. He said, turn from your evil way. He said, turn from your evil way. Why should you die, O house of Israel? Why should you die and go to hell? Why? When I've done everything I can to keep you out. Bible said, Lord, he not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. God did not 
want to destroy the world in the flood. He didn't want to do it. He waited 120 years. Noah preached. Noah was preaching and he was building that ark at the same time and he was mocked. Just like a lot of people mock us today. They mock us. They think that we are from the deep end. They think there's, I heard another day that on the internet, they say some of, they think that we are mentally ill. Well, they can think whatever they want. He gave those people 120 years to repent, and only eight people were saved. It, was, it wasn't God's fault. He could have he gave them people 120 more years, and they still wouldn't have repented. Some people are it's not going to repent. Some people, are, everybody is not going to be saved. Everybody can be. There was no way this rich man should have gone to hell. There is no way that anybody should go to hell. No way. When it's a free gift of salvation, it's free, won't cost you nothing. And you can live forever in a new body and have eternal life and forgiveness and hope. Shouldn't we be about our father's business? Our only, the only hope, the only hope for mankind is the gospel. That's why Peter said, Acts 3.19, he said, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Not just a job, but a pastor. It's everybody. Everywhere you go, you should be a threat to the, to the kingdom. Where you, where you work, I know everybody in here know an unbeliever. I bet you do. Probably know a whole bunch of them. Befriend a person. Build a relationship with them. Sometimes we have to earn the right to share the gospel. We have to earn the right. But if we walk around like we got a chip on our shoulder, man, like we self-righteous and boy, look at you, you're a sinner and look at me. No. The Bible says for some, such was some of you. You know sinners, befriend them. We cannot, if we're going to win the world for Christ, we cannot separate ourselves from the unbeliever. That is why God left us here for such a time as this. He saved us so we could tell somebody else. Satan says, tell no one. God says, tell everybody the good news. And I know the world want to hear some good news. There's a lot of bad news out there, isn't there? We got to be salt and light and not to have our light. You know unsaved loved ones, neighbors, co-workers. Don't separate yourself from those people. Don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. We should be a praying church. We should be open the doors. What I'm praying for is my own life, my own life is opportunity. Opportunity and boldness. When the door come open, I got to have the boldness to deliver the message. And they all around us, man. They all around us. Hurting people that are dying, people that are depressed, people that are lonely, suicidal, mental illnesses up. People don't have no hope. But we can give them hope. That's why I said, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Jesus was, he was a friend of sinners. 
When I look at them, I see, I see death. I look at people's faces and I see the walking dead. And I said, man, help me to say something. Give me opportunities. Give me boldness. And I pray the same for you. It's not a, it's not a great topic to preach on, but hey, you know what? When I stand before God, I want him to say, well done, good and thou faithful servant. That's all. See, I'm not trying to please you. I know I can't. I'm trying to please him. And if you will follow the Lord now more than ever, we got to be stronger now more than ever because the attacks now is coming to the church. And persecution is going to come here, which it already has. And persecution is going to come here into America. Don't think it's way over yonder somewhere. It's coming here. So I tell my friends, you know what, man? It's time for us to unite. It's time for the church to unite. Not be divided. Hey, let's encourage each other. Let's pray for each other. And for those of you that are reading your Bible every day and praying and in fellowship, I salute you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You stay the course, man. You stay the course. You don't look back. You don't go back. You don't turn back. You keep going. You keep going forward. You have something to offer. That's why God chose you. There's nobody in this whole room like you. Did you know that? Good. He didn't make us all the same. We all have different personalities. So we can reach different people. Your personality might reach people that my personality can't. That's cool. Don't care. But we are to love people. I know when I've, when I've witnessed and I find out if I'm friendly to people, if I'm nice to people, usually it will open up an opportunity where I can share. Usually. But if I go around like I'm mad at him, you're going to burn, you know. Put a smile on your face, man. It's okay. The sun will shine tomorrow. It's all right. God's got this. We're going to have to trust him in these last days. God's going to do some things in these last days that's going to shock all of us. And we're going to know it from him. Because... That's why I have to listen. I, have a, I spend a lot of time listening and praying. Listening. Because I know I told God to use me to the uttermost. Because I know a lot of people that don't have Christ. And I pray I can be a vessel that he can use for honor for his glory. And I pray the same for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that we can come. We thank you, Lord, that that we are saved and our sins have been blotted out. We thank you, Lord, that we live in such a time as this. You chose us to live at this time for a reason. And we know, Lord, that you're going to use each one here to share your gospel. Give us opportunity. Give us boldness. And help us to speak the truth and love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.
May the Lord continue to, to bless you guys. You know, there's a lot of people come to church and they're discouraged. Maybe you can seek some of those people out. You know, uh, you might be doing pretty good, but you know, as old saying goes, what, what goes around is going to come around. It could be them one week and you the next. Look around to see who you can encourage. And brother, pray for them and encourage them because we all fighting against the same devil. Encourage one another. May the Lord bless you this week. Stay in his word and we will see you next Sunday. God bless. Hey, Mercy, thank you. What happened to... Uh, Hey, brother, how you doing? That was terrific. Thank you, brother. You know, it's funny. I was talking to your wife just before you started. Those words were...